Welcome once again, baseball fans, to Running the Bases. Very special edition today. We are going to talk about baseball literature. And for that, what better than Coach Bounds, renowned English teacher, though retired, one of the finest I ever knew, probably in the world. So, <laughs> One of the finest you ever knew. Did you know anybody better? Nope. All right. I I there we go. It's a well-deserved title. So we had a very, very wonderful time talking about the art of baseball over the summer. So literature and baseball. Coach, take it away. All right. Uh, first of all, you have to differentiate fiction and nonfiction in, uh, in baseball literature. There's all sorts of great literature in baseball that is nonfiction. That's not what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about baseball novels. Uh, and which do not get the consideration that they should. If you go to Barnes and Nobles and you go to the baseball section, you're going to see five, six, seven shelves of baseball literature. None of that will have any baseball fiction on it. Uh, if you go to the fiction section, you're going to see the art of fielding. Uh, which is the only book you're... Well, no, no, I shouldn't say that. You're going to see Bernard Malama's The Natural will be there. Uh, And probably in most uh, Barnes & Nobles, you will see uh, Kinsella's Shoeless Joe. Uh, Other than that, you'll see The Art of Fielding. Now, I have to admit right now, I have not read The Art of Fielding uh, yet. Uh, I will in the next month or so. In terms of baseball literature, uh, it is, it's not so much, I mean, there, there are lots of great uh, memoirs and uh, books like The Boys of Summer by Roger Angel and everything that are great pieces of literature. But in terms of fiction, it's, it's limited. Uh, it's limited just as any genre of literature would be limited. When you start looking at great pieces of uh, fiction that deal with baseball, you're looking at just great pieces of fiction. I, I, I would like to bring to point like eight and a half books right now. Uh, eight and a half because, uh, well, I'll explain in a minute uh, why it's not nine or why it's not eight. Um, Even though there are nine innings in a minute. There you go. But maybe you're stopping at the top of the ninth since you have the home At the end of the year, everybody's looking for a top 10, and I don't have a top 10 here. I've got like a top eight and a half. All right. Is this Uh, including the natural? The natural, sure. Because you have to. Number one, uh, Bernard Malamud's classic, uh, The Search for the Great uh, National uh, Myth Hero. Malamud, who knew nothing about baseball, who goes and uh, hires people like uh, Robin Roberts to give him stories of people like Robert uh, Rabbit Moranville and stuff like this, which incorporate uh, the natural. It, it's a tremendous story uh, on a mythological scale. Uh, it is, I mean, Roy Hobbs is the American national myth hero. He is our uh, Robin Hood. He is our El Cid. Um, King Arthur. Yeah, and our King Arthur. After this, the book that everybody knows is Shoeless Joe, uh, W.P. Kinsella's uh, greatest novel. I mean, and this is 
what Field of Dreams is made from. And there is a connection between so many of these novels and movies. Uh, W.P. Kinsella is the American Gabriel Garcia Marquez with an asterisk. He's not nearly as great. Kinsella, uh, Shoeless Joe is his greatest work. Uh, After this, I probably like the Iowa Baseball Confederacy. Really, after, Kinsella is just over the top with this magical realism stuff. And I think his short stories are better than his novels. Magical realism, I, I think, lends itself better to a shorter work than it does to a larger work. Uh, one thing I think that people should recognize when you, there is so much more depth to things like Shoeless Joe than to Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams has a James Earl Jones playing Thomas Mann, but the novel is about J.D. Salinger, who uh, is the Thomas Mann character. And J.D. Salinger's connection with Catcher in the Rye and his uh, and his hatred for movies, representation, and all this stuff. There's a lot more to it than uh, having Thomas Mann not want to be a political figure in uh, Shoeless Joe or in F- uh, Field of Dreams. All right, those two novels are there. They are two of the great baseball novels. Beyond that, my next favorite baseball novel is the Universal Baseball Association, Inc., J. Henry Wog Proprietor by Robert Coover. This is a tremendous novel. Uh, it's a novel about this accountant, this like miserable accountant who plays this game uh, every night with dice and all of these. It's kind of a sabermetrics game that he's invented. And he's invented all of the players, and he has generations of them. This is every boy who has ever played uh, Wiffle Ball, who's made up his own leagues, anybody who has ever been obsessive about anything, anybody who has uh, just had this kind of in-depth imagination, it... Uh, it's it makes you laugh, it makes you cry. It's a wonderful look into the psyche of any kind of baseball fan. I think it's a great book. It's a little bit dated because uh, the all of your fantasy games and stuff would take uh, take away this kind of game that J. Henry Wog. By the way, J. Henry Wog kind of sounds a whole lot like Jehovah. Which is uh, kind of he, God who makes everything. Blah blah blah. Uh, is there? Uh, it, it's a no, trend- nobody ever draws that parallel in literature. <laughs> no, no, no. There's no symbolism like no, that ever. No, no. <laughs> uh, but it's a it's a tremendous book. All right. The reason I have eight and a half books is because I only put two books that are by the same author dealing with the same person. Bang the drum slowly and the Southpaw both by Mark Harris. Bang the Drum Slowly, movie with uh, Robert De Niro and uh, what was the guy's name? Michael... Uh, Hang on. Whatever. Uh, hit the, and that guy plays Henry Wiggin, uh, who is the, uh, the, the hero of both Bang the Drum Slowly and The Southpaw. The, uh, this is the voice of the 
1950s, early 1950s left-hander. And by left-hander, he's not, he is a southpaw. He is somebody, left-handers are always a little squirrely. Uh, but this guy is like the 1950s. Uh, did you find out the guy's name? Real right. quick, yeah. Michael Moriarty. Moriarty, as, yes. Uh, uh, as Wigan. Right. And the uh, he has to sell insurance. He's a great, you know, he's like the Tom Seaver of his time, but he's not, you know, he's making early 1950s uh, money, so he sells life insurance on the side, you know. I mean, uh, but it's a uh, a voice into a time that is long gone, and I think that is tremendous. A more significant novel to me is You Know Me, Al, by Ring Lardner. This is a, it's an epistle epistolatory novel to begin with. It's letters uh, sent by uh, this ball player in the 19-teens, uh, you know, like 1900 to 1919. Uh, and it, what we have here is the voice of an uneducated ball player in this time. Uh, and it really tells us so much about life during this period. What, to me, this says... Uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, at the at giving a eulogy for Ring Lardner, said that it was a shame that he wasted his life inside of a ninety-foot square. And this novel, to me, says, "Screw you, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald. I have an understanding of America that you will never have." in your Great Gatsby or in your Fanny and Zoe or anything else. Uh, this is an understanding of all of America. It was. It was. Uh, it's just it, It's so much richer to me than is the Great Gatsby. Now, let's be honest, a greater, fo- a greater photograph of America. Oh, oh yes. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, much larger in scope. Yeah. Uh, that said, the great American novel by Philip Roth uh, would also be one of my uh, in my top eight and a half uh, baseball novels. Uh, and here it is uh, humorously overly metaphoric. The use of metaphors which are rampant in baseball here are used in almost an absurd way. It's a very Jewish novel it's a very funny, funny novel, and it's very Philip Roth. Uh, Philip Roth is as much a institution in contemporary American literature as um, as Bernard Malamud or John Barth or Herzog or uh, any anybody that could be in American literature, American letters. All right, two more novels, and I think these are great. And people don't know about these novels, and this is something. Uh, if you read at all, even even if you don't read, you need to go out and buy these novels and read them today. Uh, one, if I never get back, this is a novel by someone named Daryl Brock. Uh, if I never get back is about time travel. This. Uh, this 
Sam Fowler, this reporter, kind of uh, nondescript reporter, all of a sudden is transported back to the 1860s. Uh, This is a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court. He uh, confronts Mark Twain and Jesse James. He goes to dance parlors, the transatlantic, uh, uh, transcontinental railroad, the uh, all of this for the first time. And he is uh, also involved with the first professional baseball team in American history. It's a tremendous novel. It has uh, your like what 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 uh, after. Uh, every page. You're like, you can't believe this. One final novel I I would like to bring up um, is Snow in August by Pete Hamill. Uh, Snow in August is set in uh, Brooklyn 1947. Uh, Brooklyn 1947 is Jackie Robinson. Uh, And the uh, analogies are going to be obvious with anything that takes place in this kind of setting. And here we have the two major characters in this book are an 11-year-old Irish Catholic boy, uh, Michael Devlin, and a refugee from Prague, uh, Rabbi Judah Hirsch. All of the the Jews and non-Jews, the uh, Jackie Robinson and... Uh, white America, uh, the, um, all of these different types of analogies that could be developed are so enriched in a poignant story between the, the development of these two characters. It's really tremendous, and it really touches a aspect of America that uh, only Americans can have. It's a Ben Shahan painting. It's a Norman Rockwell. It is who we are. It is the Tuskegee uh, Airmen. It, it's something that is uh, something that no other country, no other people can touch. And it's a tremendously poignant story. These books, these lesser known works of fiction uh, with baseball at its focal point, um, how are they viewed in the upper echelons of the literature world, if you will? Um, like, are these books, if they're not known real, real uh, general public, are they well renowned with the with the more, you know, esoteric, erudite literature critics of the world and literature Mala teachers? Is considered one of the great writers. Uh, I mean, but and, everybody knows the natural. Right. These, and these, so, these other ones, you know, it's uh, numbers three through eight and a half. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, Malama, Kinsella is recognized. By the way, I, I don't. I l- let me say this. In I really enjoy Kinsella's short stories. Uh, I, I don't want to put down Kinsella too much. It's over the top. His novels are, but. Uh, his short stories are really great. Everybody finds uh, their wheelhouse, you know. I, yeah, I mean, there's nothing and, wrong with that, you know. Only, I think he writes too many novels. He should stick to the short. And I don't like short stories uh, as a reference. Hey, there, uh, you know, in the film world, the, there's uh, great commercial directors that, you know, should stick to it. Uh, and then there are great feature film directors that should stick to that and tell it. You know, it, it I, makes look, sense. I, I think, in, in answer to your question. The, the great novels of baseball are written by great authors. 
Pete Hamill and uh, Dale Brock and Philip Roth and your uh, Robert Coovers. These are not people that write exclusively about baseball. Uh, and or your Bernard Malmas, he didn't, you know, he couldn't tell you which base you ran to first. Uh, <laughs> the um, I could have helped him with that. Yeah, I know it's pretty easy. Uh, <laughs> now Ring Lardner is an exception, but we're not talking. I'm not talking here to uh, people that are trying to score well on an IB test. Right. I mean, <laughs> if you're trying to read something good. You're a baseball fan, and you right. you want to read something that you're going to enjoy. Pick up "If I Never Get Back" by Daryl Brock, and you'll love the crap out of it. It may <laughs> not be, you know, James Joyce. It may not be Dub. You know, it it may not be Finnegan's Wake uh, in an artistic vein, but it's a very good novel, uh, and. I think there are a lot of ba- I mean that's true of of all literature, you know? I mean, um how many James Joyce's are there? He didn't know what baseball was. Yeah. And that, you know, nobody's perfect. Um what a contemporary author uh today would you uh would you really want to want them to do a to do a, a fiction piece about baseball? Robert Coover again. Yeah. He uh, who made the Universal Baseball Station, uh, Association, J. Henry Walker, proprietor. He is still writing today. I would like to see him do another baseball novel. Yeah, and is there and that was such a great novel? The, of these books in particular, and anybody out there who thinks they know something about baseball literature who has not read that book, don't talk to me. <laughs> All right, I guess I guess I should go now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there you go. Is this just in general, though? In general, it's a better novel than The Natural. Um, was there a golden age for these writings? Is there like a time period where a great breadth of these these novels all were produced? I think that uh, people look at the 1950s, uh, whether it was true that the 1950s had this magical era but people look upon it as uh, in in this way: the Robert Coovers, the Mark Harris, the the Philip Roths. Uh, they see this era as having a connection with America. That and not only here, uh, your Doris Kearns Goodwin, who writes uh, these these memoirs, uh, the late forties and early fifties have a a veil upon America that we like to see who we want ourselves to be. Not necessarily who we are, but who we want ourselves to be. What was the first fiction baseball book you ever read? Oh, I uh the it was about Eddie Matthews. Uh and it wasn't fiction, but it was a uh the, the life and times of Eddie Matthews. Yep. And <laughs> Whereas it wasn't fiction, I know it wasn't all true, uh, because uh, I Eddie Matthews was one of my first. I mean, he wrote this like in his second year as a, a major leaguer or something like this, his third year, fourth year, uh, and it was what a hero he was. And I was like, Eddie Matthews, you're the best. All right. Well, um, 
you've certainly piqued my interest. And, you know, as a baseball fan, I look forward to reading these. So. Go read If I If I Never Get Back by Daryl Brock. I suggest this for everybody. Yeah. And would that be the first one you would, uh, would adapt to a movie for chance? Well, I mean, The Natural, Shoeless Joe, drum, uh, Bang the Drum Slowly, they, they have all been uh, already been made. Well, movies. I know that. I'm saying uh, that of the ones that haven't been. All right. Uh, Universal Baseball Association, uh, it would be a quiet movie. Southpaw, You Know Me Out, The Great American Novel. Uh, the Great American Novel could be a great movie. Um uh, the Great American Novel, if I Never Get Back, and Snow in August, all could be g- really good movies, depending on the director. All right. Well, I'm going to get on that as well. I'm going to call my film school friends and see what we can do. So, Coach, thank you so much. Um, very insightful, as always. And uh, thank you again to everybody listening out there. And uh, we will see you next time. Have a good night. <laughs>